This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're on and uh, we are in the book of Genesis chapter 21 and uh we're at one of those passages where I've got to, I've got to attack it some way. And I don't really know how to attack it other than maybe break it up and deal with, deal with it on several levels and do that in the Bible study format. That's really the only way I can think of to make this work because it is a, the best way for me to describe it, it is a rich passage that has multiple layers to it, multiple levels to it. And it's going to be hard for me to cover the the personal emotional level of it the the relational level of it between God and Abraham and then the relationship between Abraham and Isaac and then you've got the pictures and for me the pictures are just as important if not more important in this passage and the reason they're of the utmost importance in the passage is because this is one of those passages in the Old Testament this is one of those passages in the Old Testament that has great significance in that it is a clear picture of Jesus Christ and his crucifixion and his resurrection. And it is one of those, it's just one of those passages that is undeniable and can't be, it just can't be, it can't be, it can't be questioned because as you spend time reading it, you just, it just becomes obvious if you look for the pictures and the pictures are of great importance. So I think what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to go through the pictures, so showing you that this passage has is a picture or a, a foreshadowing of what God does with Jesus on the cross. And then I'm gonna I'm gonna take you through, and and I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna talk about the relational aspects of it, especially the relational aspects as far as between God and Abraham and Isaac. And then we may even do one more day. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. It's just so rich. It, I can't, it's hard for me to just sit here and go, I can cover this in 20 minutes in any good way and get through it. So if you don't mind today, let's just go through the pictures in, in, in this passage. And when I say the pictures, the symbolism, the, and when I say pictures also, you need to understand that both Greek and Hebrew are pictorial languages. And what is what I mean by that? We have a lot of words that don't really have any picture associated with it. Those languages are more rich in the sense that they have they have pictures. They the, the, when you say a word, it literally relates to something in in creation, something in the universe that you can relate it immediately to. And because we don't speak that language, it's hard for me to understand that for. It's hard for me to understand that make you understand that or for me to understand it because I don't speak the language in the in that sense and especially Greek it's a dead language and nobody speaks it in the world uh it says so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey 
All right, this is important. He rose early in the morning. We're pointing toward a resurrection. Anytime you read morning, you read resurrection. Notice he saddled his he saddled his the the donkey for somebody to ride on. Now, what's going to happen is that is that you're going to see the picture of the uh, triumphal entry. You're going to picture see this picture of going going to where God told him to to make this sacrifice of his son. And it says he took two young men with him. And uh, by the way, anytime you have and they are and they're servants of him. Anytime you have an unnamed servant in the Bible. It's almost always the Holy Spirit. It's it's almost always a picture of the Holy Spirit. Anytime you have two of them, anytime you have two of them, it is it is always the Holy Spirit. Two unnamed servants. That means agreement. It can mean division. The word the number two either stands for agreement or division. And obviously, because when two people come together, they either come together in agreement or they come together in division. And, and as we read this and as we look at it, I think it is, I think it is a I think it is a fabulous picture of you've got Abraham who represents God, you've got Isaac who represents Jesus, and you've got these two unnamed servants or this unnamed servant who is the representation of the Holy Spirit. So it's all of them at work together in the picture. Remember, I'm just going through the pictures today. Tomorrow I'll go through more of the relational aspects of it and maybe even some of the spiritual aspects of it. Notice they're going to, they're going and they split the wood for the burnt offering, meaning, meaning the wood is not, uh, the wood's not just giant logs. It was actually hewn or cut wood. And that has significance because remember, uh, the cross that Jesus bore was a hewn and cut. It was hewn and cut. It was, a, it was cut wood. It was wood that had been fashioned. It's not uh, just a giant tree. It, it had been fashioned so that it could uh, sit into that cross so that when they hung it there, it would hang properly. And, and the Ro Romans were, they were excellent at that. And it, it says they split wood and offering and they ro arose and went to the place which God had told him, notice you've got the you've got the plan of God at work here. He says, then on the third day, Abraham it lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And by the way, it's they, he was told to go to some mountains, and he was go, told to go some mountains in the distance. Turns out that he's going to be told to go to the area where Jerusalem is. Now, um, the place where this hap, hap, happens to take place. There's some question, and the devil has definitely stepped in and caused us to to focus on something less important than this, because the Muslims will say that this was not Isaac that was taken up on the mountain, but this was Ishmael. And uh, if you've been around me very long, you will know what I think about the Muslim faith. I think it's pretty obvious what I think about the Muslim faith. It's a death cult. But anyway, and when I say that, it's a death cult for his people, not just not one doesn't die for the sins of all die for the, the sins of one, which would be uh, Muhammad. Anyway, that's that's how I, I see things. And the focus has gotten off. This is a picture of Jesus Christ. And the focus has gotten on to where was the sacrifice made? And is the Dome of the Rock over where the sacrifice was made? And is it on the Temple Mount or is it on a different mountain? Or was it, is it the place where Jesus was crucified, not on the Temple Mount? Is that where the sacrifice was actually made? And the arguments have so many and so full that it, get, it gets to the place where you're not actually reading this story and seeing the clear picture that God's given us and showing us and telling us that he's, that he's, he's, doing, a, he's doing a work here. And this work is a foreshadowing 
of the finished work he's going to do through Jesus Christ. And so he says, they lift up, they saw a place afar off. And Abraham said to the two young men, notice this is important. Abraham said to the two young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. Now, there's two things that are going on. He says, stay here and we'll come back to you. All right. Now, that, 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 <laughs> I can't, I, it's, it's unimaginably great. It's unimaginably great. Why? Because what did God remove from Jesus? Jesus was under the protection. He was under the power of the Holy Spirit. But after that garden, after going to Gethsemane and spending that time in prayer, God removed the protection of the Holy Spirit from Jesus so that he could be arrested and, the, and so that he could be, and so that he could be crucified. And this is a picture of the removal of the protection of the Holy Spirit, the removal of what God had provided to Jesus in fullness, in completeness as a human man, as a human being. He removed that and then went to the cross. And notice Abraham says, we will both come back to you. He's not telling them that, that he is coming back. He's telling them that they're both coming back. Abraham being a picture of God. Uh, knows that Isaac is coming back, but also, and that's, but also, it's just as important that you see this: that Abraham, as a human being, knew that God was going to make a way that that God was not going to allow him to put to death the fulfillment of his promises. God was not going to kill his promises. It's not going to. So, notice there's a picture of here that they he says to the Holy Spirit, "We're going to come back." That means that. Not only do you start out with a picture of the resurrection when they leave early in the morning, you have a picture of the resurrection right here that Jesus is going to be resurrected, that Isaac is going to come back from either physically or spiritually speaking, the dead. And then he says, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. Notice this is an act of worship. This is a foreshadowing of Christ too, that we offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Notice that they're not going to make a sacrifice, a grain sacrifice. Verse 3 says that they take that wood for a burnt offering. And burnt offerings are sin sacrifices. They're sacrifices for the atonement of sin. And so this is a clear picture that Isaac is the sacrifice for the atonement of sin. Jesus is the sacrifice for the atonement of sin. And so it says, so Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac, his son. Really? That's just as, that's like crystal clear. It's almost so clear you can't get away from it. It's crystal clear. It's, he's going to make the burnt offering and he lays the hewn or cut wood, the, the wood that is going to be a part of the sacrifice. He lays it on his son, Isaac to carry. I mean, Jesus carried the cross to Gethsemane. It is, it's obvious that this is a picture. And he took the fire in his own hand. Notice the death of Jesus the, the way the offering is going to be made, the way the offering is going to be taken care of is left in the hands of God. Jesus lays down his life, but God is the one who made him an offering for us. If you read Isaiah 53, he made him a sacrifice for us. He is the atoning sacrifice for us. And Jesus carries the burn off, the wood for the burnt offering for the sacrifice. And, and God is the one who executes. And he says, he took the fire in the hand and the knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father, <clears throat> notice there's that intimate relationship. That's that, there's that picture. Isaac is speaking to God in that, in, in that beautiful picture and saying, father. And he said, here I am, son. Notice 
notice there there is that there there is that relationship and he's saying the same thing he's saying the same thing to Jesus that that Abraham had said to God earlier and he said look the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for the burnt offering notice that Jesus knows uh excuse me notice that Isaac knows that Isaac knows that uh, there has to be a spotless lamb for the burnt offering. Isaac understands that in order to have a burnt offering, you have to have something to sacrifice. And uh, that sacrifice has to be something of significance. And so he says, where's the offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering. That is almost prophetic. In fact, I think it is prophetic. He says, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Now, we're going to go through Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. There are all those books that are in the Pentateuch, in the first five books of the of the Old Testament. We're going to go through there, and they prescribe all kinds of sacrifices to be made to God, all kinds of burnt offerings, all kinds of fellowship offerings, all kinds of things like that. All of that is right there to me. All those sacrifices are there to be made to God. And they're of the and they're of the great importance. They they have great meaning. They they provide for great things that are going to be go, going on that are going to be happening. And uh, and every one of them, the person who needs the atonement brings the sacrifice. He's the one who provides the sacrifice. You bring a sacrifice to the priest. The priest kill it. The priest sacrifice it. The priest burn it. And then you eat together and fellowship together. A fellowship of atonement right there together. Notice that this sacrifice, what does Abraham say? God provides the sacrifice. And I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. All the other sacrifices, the people had to bring their own sacrifice and give it to God. But the final, the best sacrifice, the sacrifice that is the one that culminates all the sacrifices, it's the one who is who is the final and complete and best sacrifice. That sacrifice was not provided by us to God. That sacrifice was provided by God for us. And when Abraham says this, he says, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. He, What he's saying is he's saying is this final sacrifice, this most important sacrifice, Abraham had made many sacrifices before. This most important sacrifice is going to be, is going to be one in which God provides for himself. And, and Abraham's still believing. There's still that faith right there in the midst of all this. Abraham's believing that God's not going to take his promises away, that God's going to fulfill his promises, and that Isaac, although he may even sacrifice it, God will raise him from the dead, or that God is going to provide something else to sacrifice and not his son. And it says, then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. Notice that they came to the place where, which God had told him, and Abraham prepared it. Abraham, God prepared this sacrifice. He built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Notice Jesus was bound. Jesus was tied to tied to the wood. He was tied to the uh, tree. He was fastened there. That's a picture of that's a picture of Jesus being fastened to the tree, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, which is a, it is just, it's an undeniable picture of God sacrificing his own son for our sins. 
and where it was done, whether it was Calvary's Mount, Calvary Mountain, or whether it was the uh, Temple Mount, or whether I, I'm not even going to get into all that, and I'm sure not going to get into where the Dome of the Rock is and where the Temple is going to be built. Because by the way, there's room on the Temple Mount to build a temple that's not, and not have to take down the Dome of the Rock to do it. But I'm not even going to get into all that. Why? Because this is a this is a clear picture of the work of God saying, I am going to provide my own sacrifice of my own son for you. And I'm going to show you how this is going to take place. I'm going to give you all the pictures that are a part of that sacrifice. I'm going to give them to you right here in this little story. I'm going to, I got you, I'm going to give you the morning. I'm going to give you the donkey. I'm going to give you the split or hewn wood. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you unnamed servant, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a, a journey that they have to go on to get to the place where God is going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be a burnt offering and I'm going to provide the sacrifice. I'm going to provide the sacrifice of my own son. You don't have to provide that sacrifice. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to provide the burnt offering for you. Uh, we're going to place the wood on the shoulders of the sacrifice. We're going to place the wood on the shoulders of Jesus, and he's going to carry it up to the mountain. And uh, and there the, the sacrifice is going to take place. Jesus is going to ask questions of the Father about this sacrifice, and that's what and that's what Isaac does. And uh, and God's going to say, this is the plan. And Isaac's going to accept that plan and go willingly. Notice, that's all right there. It's right there. Jesus heard God's plan. If it's not that way, if there's any other way, but not my will, thy will. Notice there's the same thing is going on with Isaac here. And then you get to the top and God, Abraham is absolutely ready and willing to make that sacrifice of his son, <clears throat> make that burnt offering sacrifice. And he's prepared to do it. And we'll see that God stops him and God does provide his own sacrifice in this situation just like he does with Jesus. He says, uh, it says in verse 11, that the angel of the Lord called to him and from the heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. Here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. You're willing to be, my, you're willing to actually take on my character fully. And then Abraham looked his, lifted his eyes up and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Notice that's a, it's undeniably a beautiful picture of uh, Jesus and God's plan of salvation through him and through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. It's a great picture. It is it's so exciting to read it. And we, you can, and I just didn't want, don't want to get it marred or get it mired in any of that. Tomorrow we'll go through it again and we'll talk about we'll talk about the different aspects of that as far as your personal walk with God and and how Abraham dealt with this, how Isaac dealt with this, how God himself dealt with this story, and and we'll deal with it on a very personal way. But today we got a chance just to go through the pictures. And I want you to see those pictures because they're beautiful pictures and they're and understanding the pictures understanding that that a donkey is a picture of is a picture of God's plan it's not something that seems like it's it's not something that seems like it's going to be very majestic 
but it always gets the job done. It does it exactly right. It's steady. It does not stumble. It does not fall. God's plan is steady and continues to go. The picture of the wood, the picture of the morning, the picture of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy, it just is so good. And we don't want to miss out on that and not realize that God's telling us, hey, listen, look here, we're in chapter 22 of the first book of the Bible, and I'm going to give you a clear, undeniable picture of the plan I have for you through my son, whom is who is Jesus Christ. And uh, you can see it and you can glorify me for it. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.